We're in a series called Frequency, Tune In, Hear God. Now, um, uh, all of you know Michael Jr., who's a comedian, uh, was uh, with Letterman and Leno and all those guys and HBO, Comedy Central, all that stuff. And a few years ago, God called him to move and become a part of our church. And most of what he does now is he goes and speaks in churches. And in the last, I think, three years, I think this is the number he told me, over 28,000 people have accepted Christ from him speaking. So, and what you don't know is right when he had called me and prayed about coming, uh, one of the major networks offered him a, a sitcom uh, for a million dollars a week. And he was believing that God was calling him to uh, not leave comedy, but take his comedy and use it for the kingdom. So um, I share that because um, he sent me a text about the new book, Frequency, and uh, I just thought I'd share it with you. This is the Michael Jr. text I got. I thought Frequency was about how often a married couple should come together. <laughs> okay, so that's not what the book is about, but uh, if it helps you buy the book, then buy the book, all right? So you'll… It's about hearing God, all right? And so that's what we're talking about, that God is speaking, and we can tune into the right frequency. So before we get, though, to the passages I ask you to turn to, let me show you another passage. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1 says, Now the boy Samuel appeared, pardon me, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. This is when God called him, remember, and he spoke to him. Watch this verse, though. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now, we think of the word rare as in limited supply, and that's one of the definitions. But in the Hebrew here, that's not the definition or the primary definition of this word. The primary definition from the Hebrew word here is valuable. The word of the Lord was precious and was valuable. And it was rare. God wasn't speaking much during that time, but it was valuable. The title of the message today is Value His Voice. Now, we want to hear God, but this is going to be the most practical in the series so far. But you have to understand, if you want to hear God, you're going to have to set a value on hearing God. You're going to have to value His voice. So let me give you some, some practical ways to hear God, all right? Here, here's number one, set an appointment. Set an appointment. Now, in Exodus chapter 19, we're asked you to turn. Look at verses 10 and 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And then if you look down at verse 19, it says, and when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, watch, and God answered him by voice. So God spoke. Moses spoke, God spoke to him and spoke to the people. But here's what you need to know. God set an appointment. He said, have the people get ready today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I'll speak. So God set an appointment. It's, it's, this is, I know this is practical, 
But a misappointment becomes a disappointment. And if you don't set an appointment, you will miss it. Here's what's amazing. We set appointments to meet with people we don't even like. But we don't set an appointment to meet with the most important person there is. When our church was smaller, um, there was a man in the church that sold his company. He was going to give a, a tithe, a very large gift to the church. And um, he needed, uh, at that time, I did a lot of the signing uh, at the bank. I don't do that anymore, but the church was so small. And um, so he called and said, hey, there'll be some documents to sign for me to transfer these funds. Can you meet me in the morning? And I said, no, uh, I have an appointment with the Lord. I meet with the Lord every morning. And I remember when we went to the bank then, we met in the afternoon. He said, you know, um, I heard you talk about meeting with God, but I didn't think you would. I, I just didn't understand how important it was to you until this very large gift was coming in that actually helped us pay cash for the, the uh, uh, second phase of a building uh, in the millions of dollars. But I said, I, I can't do it because I'm a foreman. How important is it to you to meet with God? That's what I'm asking you. There are a lot of people that don't have an appointment with God, and yet we want to hear God, but you don't ever set an appointment with Him. Set a date and a time. It's, it's that simple. When you set an appointment in your smartphone, you, you set a date and a time. You set a, a place also. What, what day are you going to meet? What time are you going to meet? And what, what place? Where, where are you going to meet? God comes to a prepared atmosphere. The reason God came this weekend in all of our services is because we prepared. What would you think if you came to church some weekend and we weren't prepared? By the way, there are a lot of churches that do that. They call it letting the Holy Spirit lead. But the Holy Spirit doesn't lead through disorder. So you, you, you have to be prepared. What if you came and dropped your children off? There were, there were no teachers. There were no greeters at the door. I came and I wasn't prepared. God comes to a prepared atmosphere. I'm, I'm, I'm simply saying it's not unspiritual to set an appointment with God. It's very, very important to hearing God and set a, a, a time and set a place. I have a place where I meet with God. Pastor Tom Lane, some of you know, at the Dallas campus. Hi, Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom, where, where does he meet with God? McDonald's. Pastor Tom has been customer of the month at McDonald's. I'm so proud. <laughs> I am proud of him that he's been meeting with God for 40 years every day. So set, set an appointment. Here's number two, be still and worship. Be still and worship. Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Exodus 14 verse 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This is before they cross the Red Sea. Second Chronicles 20 verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. I want you to just look at that for a moment. Would you receive that word if you're in a battle? <laughs> it's a pretty good word from God, isn't it? 
You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. This is the hardest thing for people to do to hear God is to be still and worship. In 2 Chronicles 20, when God said, stand still, he instructed them to send the singers out first in the battle. So not the, not the warriors, they sent a worship team out in front. The worship team started worshiping, and the three armies that had encamped against Israel turned and killed each other. And the warriors never even had to fight because God showed up and did it. Would, would that be all right? Whatever battle you're in. Okay, but here's the, here's the problem. We're going to talk about praying and reading the Word. That's important. But most people go straight to prayer and reading the Word. The most important thing you can do if you're going to ever hear God or meet with God is to be still in worship. It's before you pray and read the Word. It's before God speaks. Uh, this yesterday, I was telling some of the guys backstage I haven't told you this, but I've been having severe back problems since July last year, severe. I've had procedures, injections. I've gone to doctor after doctor. I've gone to a shoulder doctor because I fell years ago, you know, and hurt my shoulder. I thought, well, maybe that's what's doing it. I left the shoulder doctor this last Tuesday thinking, well, that's probably what's causing it. And he said, it's not what's causing it. It feels, it, it has felt like a knife between my shoulder blades. I'm talking about all, constantly, constantly. And so when I left the doctor uh, Tuesday, I thought to myself, my only hope is God. My only hope is God. And this Friday, I was uh, getting ready to, I was going to go speak at Pink Friday night. But I remember thinking, you know, I I think I have time for an extended quiet time today. Not just a quiet time, but an extended quiet time. And so I wasn't thinking about my back. I was just thinking about meeting with God. And I just got into the presence of God. And during worship, I, I did like I've, I've done many times. On some of the songs, I sang my own words. I don't know if you've ever done that. But I was singing the melody and the tune um, and maybe the pitch. I don't know. But it was close, <laughs> best I could do. But I just began to cry out to God. But I began to cry out about some things that I've been dealing with. Some areas of weakness in my life and repenting, places where I've blown it and I've messed up, and just crying out to God. And then I began to just cry out to God to heal my back, because I said, God, you're, you're, you're it. You're the only, I can't do it without you. I'm telling you, God healed my back yesterday morning. In my quiet time, in my quiet time. And I know, I know, when you've had a, a knife in your back for nine months, eight or nine months, you know. But it happened because, it happened because of God. But I, I was meeting with God. I, 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 please, I, I want everyone here to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And this is part of it. I know it sounds very practical, but set an appointment, be still and worship. Here's, here's number three, pray and read. Pray and read the Bible. Uh, Mark 1, verse 35, in the morning, having risen a long time, while be- a long while before daylight, he, that's Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place. Notice a time and a place, in the morning and a place. And there he prayed. 
Psalm 119, verse 147, this is David speaking, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. That's what I felt like I did yesterday. I hope in your word. So cry for help is prayer. Hope in your word is read the word. So I'm going to do something that's kind of strange. I'm going to tell you uh, for what to pray and where to read. Okay, I said pray and read. I'm going to tell you how to pray. I'm going to tell you what to pray for, and I'm going to tell you where to read in the Bible, all right? So, first of all, what, to, what, what you should pray for, whatever's on your heart. You can't imagine how much this will help you. If your family's on your heart, pray. Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to go on. You're not going to be able to hear God because you have something on your heart that's burdening you. If your finances are on your heart, pray. If your health is on your heart, pray. Meet with God, but then when it comes time to pray, pray about what you want to Pray about it, all right? And then read the Word. Now, before I tell you where to read, get a version that's easy to understand for your quiet time, all right? Um, I could go into all the different types of versions there are, but the, something like an NIV or something that it's called a dynamic translation. It's a thought-for-thought thought rather than a word-for-word word translation. But I can tell you a, a, a version I've been reading in my quiet time for over a year now, the message. I just like it. And I actually, when I'm reading it, I think to myself, I've read this somewhere before, but it sounds different. I mean, it's that, 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 uh, it's just really a great version of the Bible. But read something that's easy to understand. Now, when, I, when you study, yes, go back to an exact equivalency translation. But when you're just reading, find something that's easy to read. Okay, but you say, people have asked me this, Pastor, where do I read in the Bible? Okay, I'm going to tell you where. Everyone ready? On the inside. I've read the outside before, and I've even got it memorized. Holy Bible. Anywhere on the inside. Anywhere. Read a proverb, a chapter in Proverbs a day. Read a chapter in the Old Testament, a chapter in the New Testament day. But just read God's Word somewhere. All right, and here's number four. Listen and write. Listen and write. Now, Set an appointment, be still and worship, pray and read, but listen and write. This is the most practical way I know to hear God, is to quiet yourself after you've worshiped, prayed, and read, and then write. Psalm 45, verse 1, my heart burst its banks, spilling beauty and goodness. I pour it out in a poem to the king. Shaping the river into words. That's David. We have some of the poems that he wrote. First Chronicles 28, 19. All this said David, talking about the tabernacle, the Lord made me understand in writing. When I wrote it, I understood it. By his hand upon me, all the works of these plans. And Habakkuk 2, 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. This is the best way I know to hear God. This is the most practical way to hear God. Write your prayers. Write what you believe God is saying to you through that passage of Scripture. Write it. When you are uh, praying about something, 
After you've prayed, you've read, write it. Here's what will happen. You will move from writing in the third person to writing in the first person. In other words, you'll say, it's right this, like, I believe God is speaking to me through this passage that I should trust him. I believe God is saying that I can hope in him, that he is faithful, that he is merciful, that he is loving, that he is kind, that he is gracious. Pretty soon you'll begin to write, I believe the Lord is saying to me, I am faithful. I am gracious. You can trust me. You can put your confidence in me. You'll begin writing in the first person, and you'll understand this is God speaking to me. God is speaking to me. I told you a few weeks ago, my best memories after 35 years of being a Christian are not what God has done for me, even though obviously I'm grateful for salvation and all that God has given as far as a family and things like that, but it's what He's spoken to me. When I go back and think about my journey as a believer, I can go back to when God spoke. And when God said something to me, that is my desire for every person, no matter what your business is, no matter what your vocation is, in this series, I am crying out to God, God, would you put a hunger in every person that attends Gateway Church to hear you, to hear your voice? This is one of the greatest joys of the Christian walk, is to have a personal relationship with God, to hear God. So I want you more than anything else to hear God. Um, there's another book that I would recommend. Uh, Bill Hybels wrote it, who's a pastor friend of mine, called Whispers. And he talks about hearing God. And he recorded um, something he wrote in the book. He recorded this testimony of a man who began to do exactly what I'm telling you to do and began to hear God. And I, I want to show you this testimony. Watch this. Over the years, I've tried to coach people how they can get into a position where they can maybe hear more promptings from God. And this gets a little on the practical side of things, but sometimes that's what you have to do. I remember coaching our whole congregation on these basics one day, and afterwards there was a young advertising executive who approached me after the service, and uh, he said, what kind of world do you live in that you could actually spend time every day, like meeting with God and listening for whispers. He, he said, I don't live in that kind of world. I commute to downtown Chicago, leave the house at 5.30 in the morning, get back at 6.30 at night. I just can't make room for that kind of thing in my life. And I said to him, well, uh, I make room for anything in my life that I think has value. And I think listening to God and hearing his promptings and whispers has a value. So I'm not trying to compare my schedule and yours. I'm just saying I've made room for this in my life. You've got a choice to make in your life. And he walked away. I thought maybe I'd never see him again. Many months later, uh, he came down and saw me after a service, and his countenance was different. He just looked a little bit more centered and maybe a little less frenzied. And uh, he said, I wonder if you and your wife would come over to our house for a dinner. And I said, well, I'll have to check with the boss, but uh, I'll get back to you. And I did, and they lived in the area. And so Lynn and I went over to their home. 
and uh, we were having appetizers and he tugged at my sleeve and he said come see something I've wanted to show you for a long time and I didn't know what he was gonna show me but he took me to a room that overlooked his back deck and there was a rocking chair a really quality rocking chair he said that day you told me that maybe I should you know make time to quiet myself before God and read his word and listen to his whispers he said I I went out and I bought a quality rocking chair I love rocking chairs and I decided I would make time in the morning to sit in that rocking chair and overlook my back deck have a cup of coffee and just read God's word and see what would happen and he said I've been doing this virtually every morning since you gave me that challenge uh, several months later I was quite surprised I ran into this man after a church service and he said uh, could I have a private conversation with you I'm thinking about leaving the advertising business and I knew he had been very successful in in that vocation and I said well tell me about this and he said well you know I sit in that chair every day and as I've been searching God's Word and listening for promptings uh, I just decided there's something of greater value that I'd like to do with the best hours of my day and he said I'm good at advertising but God's been prompting me a little bit maybe maybe I could help you build Willow and I said well you know no one's getting any salaries around here and it's very hard work and we don't know if the church is ever gonna really make it so I, I can't I can't promise you anything really and he said I've done quite well in advertising my savings can hold me over for a time I said, well, you go back to that rocking chair and you make sure this is of God because I don't really want to take responsibility for your life and family and so. And uh, several weeks later, he came back and he said, I resigned from my position downtown. He said, I'm ready to come to work tomorrow morning. And I said, really? <laughs> and he did. And he started working as an unpaid employee at Willow and was a fantastic staff member. And the church was able to get a little bit stronger, and we were able to pay him a salary, uh, again, as, as the church uh, began to compile a little more resource. And then it was several years after that, he came into my office, and uh, he said, I need to have a, a conversation with you. I think God's prompting me to leave Willow and help a friend of mine start a church in Colorado. I said, where did this all come from? He said, well, you know that chair, you know, I still sit in it every morning. And my friend really has a heart to, to start this church in Colorado, and, and he needs help. And he said, uh, God's been prompting me. I think I'll go back into the advertising uh, vocation out west, and maybe I can earn money to support the start of that new church. And I said, really? You really think God's telling you to do this? Maybe you should go back to that chair for a little while and get confirmation of, it, of this kind of thing. And so he did. And several weeks later, he came back and he said, uh, God confirmed this is what I'm supposed to do. So in just a few months, he packed his family up and he moved to Colorado where he got a job in advertising and, and gave most of the money from his salary to the launch of that new church. And you would think that this story has a happy ending, but it was only a few years after the launch of that church in Colorado that he was sitting in that same chair one day and absorbed a doctor's report that said cancer had enveloped his body and it didn't look good. And he brought that doctor's report uh, right to that chair and prayed over it and asked God to do a miracle and a miracle in his case wasn't gonna happen. 
but he asked God to give him peace that passes human understanding. And God did answer that prayer. And uh, he faced a very difficult and painful death from the strength that he gained every day in that chair. And there came a day when they had to move him out of that chair and put him in a hospital bed. It was a very tough day. And he wasn't in that hospital bed very long, and he died. Uh, the family asked if I would fly to Colorado and give the eulogy at his funeral. I did. It was a very uh, tough thing to do. He's a fantastic guy. Uh, after the funeral was over, I talked to his wife, and uh, I said, what are you going to do with that chair? And she said, well, we're going to keep that chair in the family. You know, God changed Tom's life in that chair. God whispered to Tom in that chair. And uh, she was saying, we'd like to pass that chair from one generation to the next to the next. But never underestimate what God can do in a chair or in the front seat of a pickup truck. Some of the carpenters who attend our church just meet with God and listen for whispers. Front seat of a pickup. Some people do it on a commuter train going downtown. And uh, other people will do it in a coffee shop. It doesn't matter where so much, just that you devote the time to quiet yourself, to listen to God, and to be open to what He might say to you. I want you to have a chair. I want you to have an intimate relationship with the one who loves you. And I want you to learn to hear his voice. And you can. You can. You just have to value it enough to make time for it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And every week we ask the Holy Spirit, what, what are you saying? to me through this message. And I think there's one thing that we can all agree that God is saying, all of us, and that is to value that time with Him, to put a value on it, to make time. And so I'm asking you to make that commitment today. I'm asking everyone in the church. Now, we're going to have a time where we pray for anyone who has a prayer need. But I'm, I'm, I'm really giving an invitation to every person. I'm asking you to respond today to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to value your voice. I'm going to put a value on this. And let God show you the time and the place. Let God speak to you, the specifics, and lead you. But put a value on it. So let's all make that commitment. And then if you need prayer for any area of your life, we want to pray for you. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. We're going to do this at every campus, every overflow room. If, if you need prayer for any area of your life, maybe it's your health, as I shared earlier about a health situation. And God's your only hope. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, finances, family, marriage, children, your relationship with God. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ. During this time, you can come. 
every, every campus. We're going to have one more worship song. We've got plenty of time. We're going to have one more worship song. During that worship song, we're going to have leaders at the front of every campus. If you need prayer for any area of your life, whether you're a member or not, doesn't matter. You just come. Come to the front. As soon as we stand up, you just stand up, step out, come to the aisle, and come. Let us pray with you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that has any prayer need in Jesus' name. Amen.